Welcome to the FNO InsureTech Podcast, a place where movers and shakers from all points within the insurance ecosystem gather and discuss all things InsureTech. We talk about how technology and innovation are affecting and driving change in the industry. Here are your hosts, Lee Boyd and Rob Beller. Hey, podcast world. Welcome to a very special edition of FNO InsureTech, your place to learn and hear about all things InsureTech. I am your co-host, yeah, one of many hosts on this show, Rob Beller, and I'm here with the one, the only, the kind of big shot guy, Lee Boyd. Hi, Rob. How are you today? Welcome to the show. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I say you're a big shot for a very specific reason. Why is that? I have absolutely no idea. Well, because, you know, some people in our audience might not know that our company, 470 Claims, was recently acquired. Did you know that, Lee? I, I was told that. Yes. yes. We were recently acquired by Alacrity Solutions. We are now part of the Alacrity Solutions team and the Alacrity Solutions world. And once they discovered that they had Lee Boyd on their staff, well, my goodness. <laughs> oh, we're just telling stories now. Just telling stories. They couldn't be more excited, and they have you running just pillar to post doing things, don't they? I'm loving it. I'm loving yeah. it. Yeah. What are you working on today? Today? Well, I don't, I, you know, it's actually like five the different thing. things the all at thing. one just time. Just the big one. Just the big one. What's the big one you're working on? Come on, come on, say well, it. Well, I don't know how much we can say yet. There's going to be a big announcement. Oh, I don't, oh. I don't know if I'm allowed to say what I'm working on yet. Okay. Well, I'll just, in respect for your secrecy and uh, confidentiality, I'll just say that you're working on a big training center uh, <laughs> announcement. That's true. That's true. A big training center announcement to bring training to the world of insurance claims and beyond. That's right. And your friends at Alacrity Solutions, of which Lee and I and Alicia and Al are all your friends from Alacrity now. Yeah. We'll have a big announcement for you about training, about yeah. training uh, for claims professionals. That's true. I do think it's important to say that I actually don't do anything with training. That's all done by a, by a wonderful team themselves. But I am today involved with some with helping them out. And you want to know what? What? There will be people in the training center who will be getting paid and getting money coming into their hands from different insurance companies, right? Yeah. I that yeah, that's exactly right. They will be. And those payments will be coming to them through various and sundry channels many of whom, many of which will be controlled by our guest's company. Well, I can't wait to hear who is our guest today. Our guest is Chris Ewing, CEO and co-founder of One Inc. I mean, it's a really cool company. I have to be honest, I didn't know a lot about it uh, until I started researching uh, really about the guest today, but th it's all about payment and digitalization and customer experience 
and really speeding up payments from insurance carriers out to the insureds. Uh, it's a insure tech at its core. And today we're going to get to learn about how they really come in and revolutionize the way that insurance companies pay claims and even more. Our Cracker Jack content producer, Alicia Moss, got one to agree to be on our podcast, which was uh, a great move because I think all of you will be really interested and really fascinated by what's going on in insurance payments, strictly insurance payments. What's happening? What are the realities? What are the problems? And how big the space is. Uh, and you'll have answers to all those points and more when you uh, listen to our interview today with Chris. Yeah, it's going to be great. I'm very excited to talk to to them about it. And there's one other reason why I'm excited to talk to them. You know what that is, Lee? Mm, I do, but why don't you tell us again? Chris is a homeboy. A homeboy? What, what do you mean by that? He is here in California, here in Sacramento, California, oh. which is where I live and work from. Yes. Chris is also, he's down the road in Folsom. That's right. Folsom as in Folsom Prison. It's Folsom where County. Folsom Prison actually is, just down the road from me. And so it's really cool that I get to do an interview with somebody who's just down the street. That never happens. That never happens. So I love it. it. I think it's great. Like inter- it, it would be like for you interviewing somebody in Waco. Could you Which we never that? have. I've not interviewed anybody from Waco yet. We've done interviews from Waco. We have. We actually did do an interview in Waco with Kat Reese. We did one. And, and you know, I was thinking today, it's been over a year since, since you uh, and me have been in one room at the same time doing a podcast. Well, that's funny that you mentioned that because it's also been a year since there's been a global pandemic. I wonder if the two have anything to do with each other. There, That is possible. That it's is possible. possible. We'll think about that. Yeah. We'll think about that offline. Offline. What do you say? I think everyone wants to listen to the interview. Here is our interview with Chris Ewing, co-founder and CEO at One Inc. Hey, everybody. We're here with our very special guest today. And like I said in the intro, a very exciting for me because a local boy from here in the Sacramento area, Mr. Chris Ewing, the CEO and co-founder of One Incorporated Welcome to FNO and SureTech, Chris. It's nice to have you on. Hi, Rob. It's great to be here, and it's nice to talk to a fellow Sacramentian. Yeah, we don't get to do that real often, do we? We usually have to either get on a Zoom call or get on a plane and go somewhere. Exactly. And, you know, it's interesting because I think Sacramento is a should be a great growth area for tech because it's close to San Francisco, and I think it's right. getting better. But right. you're right. It's, it's nice, to, nice to be able to do it at home. How big is that area? If you take the whole Sacramento region, it's like 1.2 million people, which is oh, wow. quite quite large. Yeah, they were going to incorporate Sacramento into the into in Sacramento County, and it was going to be like the eighth largest city in the United States or something like that. It's a large area, yeah. We kind of <laughs> sit in the shadow though of the Bay Area. Is that fair to say, yeah. Chris? Yeah, I think absolutely. In a lot of in a lot of government work here, mm-hmm. and there's been a real desire, of, you know, shoot since the 80s to really bring technology companies to Sacramento. Mm-hmm. And it's actually really gives me a lot of pride to be able to build One Inc. here. And, uh, you know, as we grow, it is, you know, one day we'll be One Inc. Arena. And that, that will be the final stamp on our success. That'd uh-huh. be awesome. 
you're in Folsom. Is that correct? Yeah. Do you live, do you live out in that area the, of the valley? Yeah, offices are in Folsom, and I live in Loomis. Okay. So yeah. um, uh, for those of you who are listening all over the world to this, uh, Folsom is where Folsom Prison is, as in the song, exactly. right? Exactly. And it's still going today. It's operating. It's a good old prison out there. I'm a lawyer by trade, and I had a reason a long time ago to go visit a client's son there. And so I have been behind the walls, and it's, a, it's an interesting and scary place. Yeah. I would think so. I'll digress for one second. I had a next door neighbor who was a prison guard, who was a guard there for like 35 years. He was the most pleasant, calm, chilled out person you'll ever want to meet. And he was a guard, you know, in the population at Folsom prison for all that time. Lots of interesting stories, needless to say, but that's not where we're here today. We're here today to talk about one. And that's what we're going to do. So, so let's jump into that, Chris, and let's start by sharing with everybody what the heck One is, unique sure. name, and what you guys do. Sure. So One Inc. is an outgrowth of some other operations that I ran. So I started out, as I said, I was a lawyer, and then I really wanted to get in the insurance business. So I became co-founder of two managing general agencies and an insurance company and helped run a large retail brokerage firm as well. And what we noticed at the time was there was a lot of software and use cases in the payment space that were not being handled by traditional banks and other kind of legacy banking players. And so as we started growing our businesses, we started building a lot of these things ourselves. And so, you know, when you think about taking a payment from a bank and applying it to a policy or billing or claim systems, those are the ERPs of the insurance space, there's a lot of things that you need that is not offered by just that payment rail. So for example, uh, reconciliation and routing, PCI compliance, security, digital engagement, a whole bunch of things that can be in that in that area. And so we started building all of that uh, stuff ourselves. And when we, I literally was sitting there one day and I'm like, why is it that one vendor doesn't do all of this stuff? Because we would have problems with, you know, our IVR on a phone system, or we'd have a problem with our mobile app. And so I said, one, one, one company should do all this stuff. And that was kind of the aha moment where I was like, well, we should just create a company called One Inc. and do it all. And uh, literally, that's where the name came from. One that does it all, you might say. Exactly. The power of one. So, so that's what we did. Um, we sold the other assets that we had in 2010 and 11 and 12. And I kind of had the choice of going out to run other insurance operations or going to software because I thought there was a big opportunity. And the rest is history, as they say, we really started focusing on the payments business in 2014 and really found that on the inbound side, you know, when you go to make a payment to an insurance company, you go on their website and make a payment, you go on the mobile app and make a payment, you call on the phone and make a payment. Uh, we, we found that there were a lot of things that we could help in those transitions by digitizing all of those um, activities and helping the carrier with PCI and especially reconciliation and uh, other treasury functions because we were operators, we really understood that piece of the business. And then as time went on, we realized the biggest use case of all is paying insured claims digitally by uh, sending them instant payments right. immediately rather than sending a check. And so that's been the big, 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 big shift in our business was when we started focusing on that a couple of years ago. So you're the PayPal of insurance payments? Yeah, I would say we're the PayPal, Stripe, and Legacy Bank and, you know, the new kind of IVR and digital engagement company. We kind of do all of it back to that kind of concept of one company should do it all. So we have 
a whole lot of software that helps any in any way you can take or make a payment with an insurance company. We have software and assets to help them do that. So whenever you're dealing with insurance companies, what is it you're actually digitizing there that was kind of antiquated back in the day? What have you actually come in and done? A paper check, like taking a paper check, now able to take it direct deposit? Yeah, so there's a bunch of things on the inbound side. So we really have two sides of our business, inbound premium payments and outbound claims payments. On the inbound side, you're exactly right. Um, Most payments were made, you know, and still are, believe it or not, by paper checks being mailed into the carrier. So they have a huge goal of transitioning those paper checks into digital payments, making, getting people to make payments on the web, getting people to make payments, um, you know, over an IVR 24 hours a day. And a lot of those assets, believe it or not, carriers, large, large carriers, when you think of Progressive and Geico, they all have a lot of this stuff. But the smaller carriers, because of a lot of the legacy technology platforms, you know, they are AS400s built in the 80s don't have a lot of mechanisms to take those digital payments. And so they uh, have to go, it, it's very difficult for them to do it. And then as we've transitioned, making sure that they're in PCI compliance and that's kind of on the inbound. So moving okay. everybody from paper checks and paper processes on the inbound side. And again, the biggest, the biggest and kind of um, easiest uh, target is claims payments. Over 80% of all claims payments made today are made via check. So if you take the example of, you know, your home getting uh, hurt by an earthquake, um, you know, the insurance company will do an appraisal, mail me a check, then I get this check and it's made out to the lien holder. So I got to mail it to the lien holder and then the lien holder's got to sign off on it, mail it back. It takes five to six weeks. So that that whole process is really antiquated. And so you got to scratch your head and go, why is it possible that in 2021, 80% 80% of checks are still made, I'm sorry, 80% of claims payments are still made via check. And the yeah. answer lies that it's actually very difficult to do all of the use cases. That's one that I just talked about there. And so there's a lot of uh, regulatory, legal, just different ways to make payments that you have to do so that you can solve all the use cases. Because if you can't solve them, then of course, uh, you stop to send a check. And yeah, so th- that's the most exciting part of our business. Yeah. 80% like you, I've worked in the insurance industry for a long time. So that number doesn't surprise me because it's the insurance industry. <laughs> yep. I mean, so in other words, you have this enormous opportunity. <laughs> Whatever progress you guys have made as a business, you still have 80% of the business waiting to happen. It is an absolute drop in the bucket. So we, we now are processing, I don't know, 15, 16 billion in payments which is up 100% over last year. And we're on target to grow over 100% this year. And we, and that's only, you know, it's a $1 trillion inbound uh, pay, uh, claims payment opportunity, another 1.5 trillion outbound just in the US alone. And we are the leading provider of, you know, this whole suite. And we're winning 90% plus of the deals that we're in. We've we won in the right. last six days, we've won five of the top 15 insurance carriers in the US. So- wow. You've had a good week. This is a good week. It's a big We've week. We've had a fantastic week, yeah. Not only are we growing, we're growing really at almost exponential pace because we're, we're focused on one industry and we only do that industry. We only focus on insurance. We only solve use cases and problems and build software for insurance. And so it's hard for other vendors. You, you may, men, mentioned a great one. PayPal is a great payment software, but they, are not, they can't solve everything for insurance, whereas we can't. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You brought up the issue earlier of having a mortgage on a home, and I did a quick Google search where it's a six, about 62% of all homes have a mortgage. 
and I've had a couple of claims and my mortgage is on there. Is that something that you can overcome and actually do digitally or does it have to have a check? No, it's really cool. It, with So the way that the normal process works is, um, like I said, let's say my my home, uh, my floor gets ruined in an earthquake. They they send out an appraiser, the, they approve the payment, right? That, hey, we got to pay somebody to fix the floor. It then goes to the lien holder. The lien holder then makes a decision whether they're going to monitor it themselves or they're going to let me make the payments. Most of the time, they let me make the payments, so they mail the check back to me. But that process right there takes six to eight weeks because yeah, it's forever. It takes, sure. yeah. it takes forever. With our system, we send a digital notification to the insured, me in this example. I click on a link and approve it. It then goes digitally to the, um, to the lien holder. The lien holder within 24 to 48 hours digitally approves the payment. We digitally instantly send the payment to me, the insured, and then I pay the vendor and I can even um, choose to pay the vendor digitally. So the whole process now can be started in 24 to 48 hours versus five to six weeks. So just think about that from the cost perspective of the insurance carrier. While I'm not in my house because the floor is all broken, I'm in a hotel and then I need, you know, other incidentals. I'm unhappy because I'm waiting for the house to get fixed versus, you know, for five to six weeks versus somebody uses Nuco who uses our product and they're in their house. They're at least working on getting the house repaired in uh, 24 to 48 hours. And it's just a much better process. That's a great use case. And yes, our system can do that. And we're, I think, one of the only systems in the U.S. that can actually do that digitally. Yeah, I mean, that's, that is a huge deal. You hear complaints all the time about waiting for the mortgage company to send back the check. And yep. in the claims world, any small issue can grow huge, especially if you have ALE involved uh, yep. or if they're, you know, anything like that. So being able to overcome that is just a massive, massive thing. Right. So yeah. one of the real value propositions that you offer is speed. Cycle times. Yeah. Cycle times cycle is time. the, mo the most correlative thing to loss ratio severity, right? So if you can decrease cycle times, it de decreases expense for the carrier. It increases happiness for the customer. And it all is caused, all the delays and most of the claims process are caused by checks. So our goal is to, to get rid of all checks. And, you know, even e e another use case, which is is shocking is, um, let's say my car's totaled. I need to now get a payoff demand letter from the lien holder. And I send a notice, you know, the insurance carrier sends a notice to them. That payoff demand is only good for 10 days. So if I, it doesn't get back and then isn't paid within 10 days, the 10 days starts over again. So I got to ask for another one. And we've had instances where that it's cycled for, you know, 60 days through that. And while all the meanwhile, um, the insurance company's paying for storage at the body shop. So Mm -hmm. All these processes are being, you know, caused to be delayed and ca causing extra expense for the carrier, unhappiness for the insured because they can't get their car um, or their house back. And it's all because of a check. So we got to get rid of checks. And that's what we're, what we're doing now. And we're having just a huge amount of success in that. Area. And so are you able to somehow or another, and I'm sure, you know, you have a bunch of brilliant people working there. Are you able to somehow or another show the the insurance companies? This is the kind of savings you're looking at. This is the kind of financial impact yep. we might be able to have on your processes. If you institute our process and our product, yep. you, you could stand to save this kind of uh, money. Yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of ways to show it. And we do do an ROI analysis and show them. But, you know, the first is just the plain old 
shipping, managing, printing of checks. It's really expensive when you actually break down all the costs. You know, it's anywhere between $3 to $9 a check. Just even getting rid of that um, for a digital free process is a huge ROI. But then when you add in that the cycle times and, the, you know, and customer happiness, it is just such a no-brainer, right? Basically, every carrier um, uh, strategy meets action just did a research of personal lines carriers, and 80% of those carriers are going to be making a decision around digital claims payments in the next uh, 24 months. So not only are we trying to get rid of the 80%, 80% of carriers are trying to get rid of it. So it's really, a, it's really an industry that is just that is just exploding relative to this particular issue. And there's a bunch of other ones like it that we're talking about that we can help with, just even paper bills, yeah. So your real problem is going fast enough. It's, I'm glad you said that. Our problem, we're obviously a much, much different uh, company than Tesla, but I kind of almost as, uh, akin it to that, to the team. We don't have unlimited demand, but effectively we have unlimited demand. So our goal needs to be really um, to focus on how do we create repeatable, scalable processes on our delivery line. So I, I have uh, worked in a manufacturing company before, so I always use this conveyor belt analogy and say, look at, you know, what are the things along the conveyor belt that it takes to get us live? And how do we make those faster, either from the product so we can remove things that we need to do on the product side or uh, make it easier for the carrier to integrate with us, like using accelerators with people like Guidewire or Duck Creek, because that automatically does the integration. And then making the product configurable in the UI, you know, we have a true SaaS product. And so there's just a whole bunch of things that we're trying to do along with scaling our delivery team and making sure that they have the processes and procedures. So it's an interesting, we're in an interesting place because the goal right now in the company is scaling, moving fast enough to um, have the opportunity to capture as much of the market as we can, because we have a great product. We have great product market fit. We have almost 200 customers, which is an insurance is a a tremendous amount. And That's a big number, right? It's a big number. Yeah, yeah. So we're growing very fast. So yes, we, we need to make sure that we manage the company really well with discipline and, you know, in our processes and we're getting there. It's, it's, it's going very well. So you don't just get involved with the customer side or the insured side of it. Talk about how else you guys move money around and who else you pay. Most of the use cases are around insurance they either make payments or they get paid. And that's probably 85% of the use cases. Sounds pretty simple, but it, it requires a lot of software. But then we also do um, is treatment processes. So when uh, uh, you know somebody loses a payment or doesn't find a payment, we can then send the money to the state and do a treatment, which is a pain for treasury. We also can do intercompany payments or subrogation. So when one company owes another company money, we can do that digitally rather than send a check back and forth between them. And then, you know, we just talked about, we also have the ability to pay vendors, not just insureds. We have the ability to pay participants as part of the claim. So um, whenever there's a claim, there's, there's oftentimes a payment to the insured, but then there's a payment to the participating vendors, the body shop or the uh, contractor. And those payments can also be digitized as part of our, as part of our process. So there's a whole ecosystem of payees and payments going around that our that our platform can support. When you talk about digitized, define that. It's interesting that you brought that up because I, you know, for years you hear everybody saying we got to digitize, and then but what does that really mean in the insurance context? Because don't we already kind of have you know we make payments on the web? The answer is really quite simple. It's removing all paper processes and paper checks. 
And so what are some of the biggest use case paper processes? Well, number one is mailing people bills. That's the number, that's the biggest paper process that it still exists today. And most bills are still made, uh, are still sent over the mail, right? So it costs a lot of money, takes a long time, can get lost, and none of us read our mail anymore. So it's ineffective. Right. Um, so that, that process, we can also digitize. So we can digitize mailing out the payments, but then we can also take those bills and digitize and then put them online. So when you log into your insurance portal and you see your bill and your past payments and your ID cards and all of that stuff, that also is our platform taking that data from the core systems, either the billing policy, billing or claim system, and then turning that into a digital, you know, information on, you know, in, in those assets. So that's one of the biggest use cases. We've talked a lot about paper checks. And then there are just other paper processes that carriers do. Refunds and uh, commission payments is another area. So commission payments mm-hmm. to, to agents agents and brokers, right? They yeah. get a check. Well, with our process, we can now send them digitally a payment. And uh, you know, even medical providers. The other interesting thing is we're not in any particular one line of business. With our 200 carriers, we have literally every line of business covered from medical insurance to disability insurance, life insurance, commercial insurance, personal lines. But there's different use cases for all of those. It really doesn't matter. I mean, all, all of them have to, are involved in payments. That's kind of the, the, it's all the stock and trade of insurance. You know, I, I just want to point out real quickly that Lee has the lucky job. Historically, we just recently sold our company. But historically, Lee has had the job of going to the post office. Yeah. And picking up the checks every day. Picking right? up yep. all of the checks. And Lee, just just quickly, a big day, what would you pick up there? We could pick up, you know, three, 400 checks, individual checks and individual envelopes for an individual claim. Yeah. And that's just, I don't think that people realize, maybe people listening to our podcast realize how many payments in a day an insurance company does. Oh, it's unbelievable. Chris, it must be an stunning number. You know, in the aggregate, it's about $3 trillion a year that is flowing in and out of insurance companies. Somebody once said, I don't know, it's anecdotal, but every paper dollar in the United States flows through an insurance company at least once a year. So wow. it's it's just a huge, It's many people have said it's the largest vertical uh, industry in the world. And mm-hmm. certainly in the U.S., it is just a massive, massive amount of money. That's $3 trillion that's trading hands every year and getting bigger. Mm-hmm. And so your guys's, your reason for being is to make that easier. Easier and faster and cost less, a lot less money. But, you know, if you think about what's wrong with paper processes is not only is there paper, but there's, think about it. You got to take those checks. Now, what do you do with the checks? You got to scan them in. A lot of them don't have a policy number on them. Now you got to find that. There's just, there's so much inefficiency around paper processes that is, that is kind of, it's the tip of the iceberg kind of principle. And so when you really add up back to your ROI question, how inefficient all of this stuff is, it, it really adds up to something that's got to be got to be fixed and digitized. And we're right in the middle of it. The timing is finally caught up with your product. I'm sure for a number of years you were hearing from insurers because we know insurers and we know how, how yep. they think traditionally, how they have thought. And that is to say, well, there's nothing the matter with checks. Checks are great. For many years, we would go to people and we would say, hey, we want to talk to you about your payments and your payments problems. And they'd say, we don't got a payments problem. Go away. And (laughs) you're right. The industry now is thinking of payments as a strategic 
um, initiative to, to which really, you know, if you think about, let, let's take a big step back. If you think about insurance, what is insurance? You promise to pay me money. And if an event happens, I promise to pay you money. It is just the heart of insurance is payments. And yeah. so if, if you're doing that in an inefficient or uh, an expensive way, it is going to mess up the insurance experience. And so people, it took a long time for people to understand, wait a minute, that's true. And, and the industry now has really shifted where it's a strategic focus around uh, insurance payments. For many years, there, you know, all of the analysts didn't even have payments as part of their things to analyze. And right. so now that's changing. So it's pretty insightful, Rob, that uh, you notice that it's true. And now there's this big switch where everybody wants to know about payments. And so it's making making Kathy's job a lot easier, but certainly there's a lot of work to do there just to get in front of people and make sure that they know that One Inc. is the best partner. You know, whenever you're talking about payments, I mean, it's more than just money from a bank account to another bank account. There's got to be some customer experience built into this. I mean, is that is that something yeah. your company's doing? Is it is it helping really improve the customer experience for the insurance carriers? I'm glad you brought that up. So insurance typically has some of the lowest scores for customer satisfaction, right? Mm -hmm. And if you look at the industries that have some of the highest, you know, you get people like Amazon and Netflix. And we kind of took a step back and said, well, why is that? What what makes Amazon so special? And one of the answers is you never need to call them, right? You can go online, you can Correct. track your, if your package doesn't arrive. And by the way, they're incredibly great at getting your package here. But if it doesn't show up, you can go online and you can self-service. You click on a link, you find out where it's at. You can make a request to you know, change the shipping. They're very, very, very fast at fixing it. And so self-help is really part of it. And getting answers digitally is also part of it. So we see the long-term, uh, our long-term job is to help remove customer service from the insurance equation, meaning that people can help themselves. And so we have, for example, as part of our product offering, we have a full website that includes all of the information that somebody needs to find out, for example, why their premium went up or did they, they pre, did the payment go through? And that's all customer experience. And it's yeah. getting that data to a insured in the way that they want to do it, whether it be on a mobile app or whether it be on Alexa, which is a new thing that we're working on, or whether it uh, be... Um, over the phone or even at night when nobody's there. So we kind of handle all of those use cases. And then we're very good at getting data because we really started out as a data company and um, moving data from uh, legacy systems, even AS4, you know, old AS400 systems, we can make them act in a new digital way that, other, that carriers just think aren't possible. They'd have to update the core. Whereas we can just get the data out and then display it in all of these new, innovative, cool ways. And that's that's really, really digital digitization is ultimately about self-help. People can go online, get what they need, find out the answer, make a payment, get the documentation they need without having to call somebody. Right. And, you know, I mean, you're doing all these things. We were talking earlier about how it's such a need. I mean, everyone needs this, right? And I was reading back in December that the company... Uh, did a press release for a strategic expansion of the senior executive team. I was going to see if maybe you could talk a little bit about what have you done to prepare for all of this demand in your service? Yeah, it's a great question. So, you know, scaling a business from a small company to a medium company and ultimately to a large company requires, you know, different skill sets at a different time. And so as we are growing the company, we want to make sure that we have people that have scaled companies and executives that have scaled companies 
through, you know, from, you know, from 50 million to a billion in revenue, that's a different, that's a different path and a different launch than going from zero to 50 million or even zero to 10 million. They're, they're equally hard. And so um, it's not that the current, uh, you know, the, the executive team that we had, or which is still a lot of, uh, almost all of them are still with the company. It's just, we want to bring in people who have gone through that growth and you've, you said it earlier, they can really help accelerate the time on the company and make sure that we can, from a product and engineering perspective, we can go live much quicker so that, uh, you know, we can fulfill our promises as well as on the delivery side, make sure that we can work with these large insurance companies. As you know, they're very difficult to work with and getting people that are skilled at working in an enterprise level environment is, is very important. And so Jake Patel, who we just hired as our president and COO, he was uh, the CIO and COO at you know, IBM and at First Data and has a huge background in terms of scaling some of those businesses. And then Kathy, who has joined, you know, she comes for, with, to us from TSIS and has just an incredible background on uh, the marketing side. And then you know, uh, Kevin, who heads up our sales, he's been really excellent at scaling the business on the sales and marketing side. And then uh, Paul came from, um, he was a CFO of a multi-billion dollar unit of Microsoft. And so, you know, wow. we have real, real top talent now that can help help grow the business to the next level. And then, yeah. um, you know, our goal is to get to a billion in revenue and and we are on our way. Is that challenging for you? It must be challenging for you uh, because you were there at the beginning when it was zero, right? Yep. Yep. And so, like you said, you know, it's one skill set to go zero to 10, another one to go to the next level, to the next level. That must be, that must be challenging for yourself. Well, it's very challenging if, you know, along the way I realized I need to change as an executive. And so I got to figure out what are the skill sets and what are the important things I'm still learning. Right. But what are the things that, that, you know, CEOs of growth companies that are really scaling, what do they do and how do they operate their business? And I've had some real fortune in, in being able to talk to some friends at Google and other companies and, um, and mentors about, you know, how to do it. But it has been a thoughtful exercise and to figure out, well, what do I need to change as a person and an executive to match what the company needs? And, and it's very difficult. Not everybody can do that. There's, you know, people that I've worked with in the past that uh, want to act in the same way that, it, you know, when we were five people and it, it just doesn't work because of um, the, the sheer number of people and communication becomes much more difficult. You know, we have, I don't know, 450 employees uh, around the globe and, and growing, right? And so communication and the, and the management uh, methodologies that you use are totally different than when there's 10 people and you walk in a room and you just say, hey, we got to get this done and everybody hears you and can do it, especially in the world of COVID, right? Now we have to manage remote employees. Nobody can go into work and it adds a whole new challenge. And so we are an OKR or, you know, objective key result managed company. We adopted that uh, about two years ago. Um, that's what Intel had kind of come up with to manage as they grew. And so, yeah, it's been, it's been very challenging, but really fun because it's, um, you know, makes you grow as a person and as a leader. So I want to get back to customer experience for a minute. I'm a big fan of that and, and st try to stay very focused on it. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about what does this mean for the insured? What does one mean to the insured? Yeah, um, the, the, biggest, the biggest thing that insureds want is information. And that's what we all want, right? When, whenever we have a lack of information, it causes frustration and fear and all kinds of stuff, right? So 
when you want information, the, the quicker you can get the information and the less humans you can talk to, the better. I have this theory and I haven't been, had a chance to kind of really look it into it. But I think if you look at the mental energy that is required to talk to another human versus the mental energy it takes to go online and look up something, it's like in, infinitely quicker, which is why our kids all use texting and don't talk on the phone anymore is because right. for our brains, it's just easier. So we want to make it frictionless, right? We, we call it frictionless. We want to make it so that the data is available in a digitized way, any way that they want to look at it. So the problem in insurance, it sounds really simple, right? If you're building a new business today, it is. If you have a business that's been around for 100 years and you have 10 systems that were built in the 80s that have no APIs, their databases aren't even SQL, how do you get that data out of those, out of those legacy platforms and present it in a digital way that is effective? And that's really what we solve. We are not just a payments company. We are a digital migration company that allows legacy systems to act in the same way as a brand new system. So, you know, if I'm a, if I'm a huge insurance company and I just bought Guidewire, that's easy, right? They, they, it's a brand new system. It's got APIs. We have integration accelerators and integration with them already out of the box. It works really well. But now you have half of your um, insureds on this AS400 that literally was built in the 80s that is on-premise and sitting there. How do you get all of that data out, do it in a PCI compliant way and have a great customer experience? And that's where we come in. We are a bridge to both of those systems. The modern Guidewire, Duck Creek, you know, Majesco, InsureSoft systems and the legacy, you know, old mainframe AS400 system. Those should present and act in the same way. And that's really what we do more than anything is we provide that gap. And so if you go to you go to Stripe or PayPal, they're great systems, but they can't handle those legacy platforms. And so I think mm -hmm. that's where the, and all of the use cases that we've been talking about. Right. They were all built in a new world, in a different yeah. world. And insurance is still not a new world. <laughs> right. Don't, don't we know? Don't yeah. we know? So, you know, I'm very interested, you know, as we're, as we're getting close to the end here, I'm very interested in cyber risk. And I, you know, you're dealing with all these legacy systems, you're dealing with these new systems, you have all these, you're, you're, you're the, the connection between all these things. I mean, yep. what are you doing to be, to, to make sure everyone's uh, information is secure and safe? Yeah. It's a really great question. So on the inbound side, we, of course, we are PCI, well, on in, inbound and outbound, we are, you know, PCI level one, which is the highest PCI uh, standard. We have SOC one, SOC two, both type twos. So, and, you know, HIPAA compliant, there's a lot of things that we do to comply with we are in compliance with all the data requirements of both uh, you know, in the US and even the, the European standards. So there's a lot of just practical things that you have to do to just get going. But what I think um, you're really asking is how, how do we protect, especially on the outbound side, fraud from happening and cyber criminals from getting in and accessing that data? So yeah. we are in the cloud, you know, so we, um, we also have you know, a whole team of people, all they do is focus on cyber liability and security. And so we have been very fortunate. We've never been breached and we never, you know, hopefully never will be breached, but we also make it so that if a breach occurs, um, we do not have things like PAN data and social security data available even in our network. So we tokenize everything and make it so that it's um, it's not hacker proof, but it's, it's very, very, very hacker resistant. And then on the payout side, uh, we do some very cool and interesting things um, on making sure that you are the person that we are supposed to pay. Let's say let's say that we sent you an email and uh, you know we authenticate you in a, a number of different ways, really kind of similar to what your bank does. 
Uh, we authenticate you to make sure that you are the right person. And then we even follow up with telephone calls as well as uh, we have um, some kind of almost AI type uh, things that we look at and make sure that things add up. And when they don't, there's an exception. And then we follow up on those. So it is a it is a full time job in this world, making sure that uh, we, we keep the data safe because that's the most important thing. And then make sure we don't pay the wrong people. A lot of people that listen to our podcast are from the tech side, from the insure tech side. A lot of people are from the insurance side, but not a lot of people a smaller, much smaller group have had a foot in both. Yep. You're an insurance guy, I would say, yep. by by upbringing, if you will. Earlier in your career, you were very involved in different insurance plays. And then you crossed over. And now I would say, wouldn't you describe yourself as a technology guy today? Talk about that transition moving from one to another. Well, it's interesting because in all the companies that I've started, I've had really the same, um, really the same skill set that I've applied, and that is I've always been a technology person. So I was a developer in college. So I I love software, love development, love love everything about technology. I became a lawyer because everybody in my family is a lawyer, and then I did everything to do to not be a lawyer, which is you know I started a chocolate dip strawberry company to get out of being a lawyer, and but <laughs> even there and there in insurance companies and even what I do today was really the same thing was I'm good at sales and then I'm good at building product to match problems in the industry from a technical perspective, and so even early on at Cherry's Berries we were the first vendor to integrate on the web completely with FedEx. So we could send an order, it would come in, it would connect to our system, it would connect to FedEx and it would spit out a label and off it would go. It sounds pretty rudimentary, but you know, that's, that's what we did. And then when I, in the insurance world, I really looked at insurance entities as technology companies first and uh, obviously actuarial and, and uh, operational problems are just as important, but the, the technology can help solve a lot of that. So I, I really have had a background on both sides of the technology and the business side from day one, but it is it is a totally different world when you're just focused on software relative to insurance. And the hardest thing actually is getting carriers to realize that what you have can help because a lot of times um, software vendors can't, you know, they say they can help, but they can't deliver. And so I think that's right. one of the things that we've done really well. We've never, never lost a customer so far, knock on wood. And wow. um, that's because, you know, our product works and, and we deliver. So. Yeah, I, w- I would say that insurance people are kind of dubious by nature. Yep, risk averse. <laughs> risk averse, yeah. and that's that's what they do for a living. And so why not why not shop for products in the same fashion? I mean, we find the same thing. And in, in in our particular uh, segment where we work historically, there's been a lot of disappointment. But in software too, there's been a lot of disappointment. Like you're saying that that promises are made that are not kept. How have you guys gotten past that? I mean, the fact that that you're still around and you're still kicking. How old is your company? It's it's nine. Yeah, we really yeah we really started in the in the payment space in 2014. I mean, you're an insure tech before there was insure tech. It's funny. Somebody told me I was an insure tech, and I didn't even know there were insure techs. So (laughs) (laughs) so it was kind of cool because we went being from being uncool to very cool overnight. Uh But yeah. uh Yeah, the hardest it's, thing, you know, I think I think you, you hit the nail on the head, having a foot in the insurance world um, and being able to talk their language and, and also being able to solve insurance problems is a huge advantage over a vendor that is across yes. verticals. Yeah. So if, you, if you're doing utilities and you're doing insurance and you're doing something else, 
you just don't have the time and focus to solve particular insurance problems. Whereas we have we only focus on insurance and therefore we're only solving use case problems in insurance and that's it. And so our product over time gets better and better and better. And it is very much a chicken and the egg. How do you get customers to trust you without customers? And once you start to scale, it gets a little bit unfair. And I think we're now at that point where you just become the trusted leader. So everybody just uses you. And so that's starting to happen, which is really exciting. But it, you're right. It took many years. It's of, of flying to you know, people and meeting with them and you know, promising we can do it and then, and then actually executing and living up to your word. Yeah. yeah, but you didn't. And I think another advantage you have, you hit the, like you said, you hit the nail on the head, I think. And that is, is that you figured out what the problem was coming from it from an ins- as an insurance person. You said, why isn't there one company that does all this, right? Yeah. And bada bing, bada boom, here you are today. Um, I think a lot of times, or with some insure techs that we see, not all, by any stretch, not all, but some, they're put into the business maybe by their VCs or their investors. Uh, They're saying, you know what? You have a solution for an insurance problem. And that might be very exciting, but they don't even know what the insurance problem really is. You lived it. Exactly. They don't really understand. So, you know, the treasury functions of our of our product are very strong. And that's something you just can't wake up and build. You have to understand what the treasury problems in the insurance context are and uh, to be able to solve them. And it's a very unique, it's a very unique industry with very unique technologies. And, you know, for example, the the policy and billing systems, they don't, they don't, you know, they don't really have exports to the GL systems. And so the reconciliation solutions there don't work. And so, you know, that's where, like you said, understanding that that is a problem and then, and then being able to build software that solves it at a level that, of understanding that just takes years to get there. And so it is, a, it is an advantage that we have. And we, we have another huge advantage, which is on the legal side. We really understand the DOI regulations, what, what the, um, you know, the uh, DOIs in different states want and, you know, what, how to comply. And um, all of that just takes an enormous amount of time. And if you're just a software vendor wanting to get into insurance, it's very, very complicated. It's very, you can still, you can do it obviously, but it is, it is much easier if you are from insurance. This has been terrific. We've loved this. We haven't had somebody on from your space. And so it's great to hear about it. And it's great to hear about it from a leader. I have seen your company at conferences for years and years and years. I think you guys do PLRB, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Yep. But we see you there and as, as well as others. And, and someday when this pandemic is over, which maybe are we? Maybe we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel now. I, we certainly are. Yeah. Maybe I'll get an invitation to get in my car and drive out to Folsom. Love to do it. Yep. As soon as you want, let's do it. We've got a great office, and we can go over to the by the prison and have a great lunch. I would love that. We could do a remote podcast from Folsom Prison. There you go. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being with us. We've really enjoyed it, and thanks to all your people who've made this happen. And we'd love to have you on again in the future as uh, things continue to develop. I'd love it as well. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Lee. Thank y'all so much. Lee, that was that was really a pleasure and and kind of a little bit of a surprise. I was excited to have a, a local boy for me yeah. on the podcast, but wow, that's quite a company. That's quite a big company. It's a big deal. That is a big deal. Yeah. I mean, I was reading through all their press releases. They have a lot of really fascinating things that they've done. 
And with the decision to really ramp up the executive team, I mean, they have big plans and they're really going to go places. But like they said, they are a, a niche product in a giant world. These insurance companies have such a need to really get these payments out the door quickly and as, you know, really as fast as possible and to make sure that the customer experience is great. And I think that they're in a prime spot to do that. Payments. What an enormous space payments is in the whole world of commerce, not just insurance. And one of the really smart things that I think they did was they didn't get distracted by going after payments in, you know, mobile phones or God knows what they, they stayed with insurance and now it sounds like they dominate the category. Yeah. And then I guess you got to think, you know, insurance is so big, let me dominate insurance and then let's just see where I can go from there. Right. If I can do insurance, then I'm sure I can move in elsewhere. But yeah, there, you know, it was a delight to visit with them. I just wasn't sure at first, you know, whenever I was reading about the podcast today, I just, I was like, well, what are we going to talk about? But I mean, they are a insure tech. That's what we interview. And that is a prime example of a wonderful company in the world of insure tech. Right. I'm thinking about the other insure techs that we've talked to that, uh, like, like exact, right. Mm-hmm. Which of course is now part of their risk. Right. But Exactware was an insure tech I mean, almost before there were laptops, right? Yeah. And um, certainly before there was insure techs. And this is this is one of those guys or one of those companies that uh, also fits in that category. Agreed. A grandfather status. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and I like that. And I think it's meaningful. And this is something that I'll say to all the insure techs out there. I think it's meaningful to come from insurance. And if you don't come from insurance, then to make sure that you that it's in your DNA somewhere. Corporate yeah. DNA. Agreed. Okay. Well, we thank Chris and his team who's been so wonderful in working with us to get him on the podcast. And we thank all you for being with us and to listening once again to another interesting episode of FNO InsureTech. And with that, we will say goodbye, everybody. <laughs>